You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Wash the dishes. I would say do the laundry, but don't do that unless you know how to do it because that could backfire. But if you know how to do the laundry and it may not be what you normally do, then one of the ways you can wash your wife's feet, your family's feet, culturally, do the laundry, mow the lawn, take out the trash, mop the floor. Have you ever been in a congregation or small group meeting only to be surprised by an announcement that everyone was going to wash each other's feet? If you're like any other modern day believer, chances are you either felt uncomfortable or awkward. In today's message, Pastor Danny reflects on some of the more modern ways in which we can wash the feet of others. In his study, you'll learn some gestures of humility and servitude that might be better received and are more culturally relevant. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of John chapter 13 as he begins his message, Foot Washing. have your Bible open, John 13, look at verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. That's a fascinating statement to me. He's leaving the world. He's really going home where he came from. And I'm sure he's looking forward to that. He's just not looking forward to the process. He's headed for the cross. Having loved his own who were in the world, He now showed them the full extent of his love. And I'll never forget how many times when I first read this, I was taken aback because what comes after this, him showing the full extent of his love, is not what I expected. Verse 2, the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Judas is at this meal. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, slapped everybody around, said, I'm not doing it. No, 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 come on, come on, look at it. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I I can just imagine what the looks on their faces was like. He came to Simon Peter, just loved Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, 
You're going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. I just love this guy. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Give me a whole bath. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. I bet that got some looks. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. How many have ever had your feet washed by someone else? My hand is up. My hand is up. I've had it happen twice. Um, one by a leader in our church years and years ago, and it was just he and I uh, in his apartment, and I didn't know it was coming. And uh, it was weird. The second time was at a pastor's conference, one of the Calvary Pastors Conference in Merritt Island, and um, one of my associate pastors at the time was with us, and his wife said to us, uh, a group of us together, uh, I feel like the Lord wants us, and she was saying her and the wives there, to wash your feet, the husbands, the pastors. What are you going to say? It was weird, <laughs> but we submitted to it. I wonder how many of you, and again, you, you can raise your hand, but I can't see you, but how many of you ever been to a church foot washing service? I haven't. I've been pastoring a long time, never hosted as a pastor a foot washing service. I, 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 just me. Maybe I'm, I don't know. I, but, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is if you schedule a foot washing service at the church and invite people to a foot washing service, here's what everybody does. They wash their feet before they come. You would wash your feet before you go to a church service and publicly pull off the socks or whatever, take off the sandals, uh, and let somebody wash your feet. Say, I'm going to a foot washing service. Better wash my feet. <laughs> I think it needs to be translated culturally. With that said, I'm not saying don't 
uh, practice it. I'm not saying churches are wrong for hosting foot washing services, but I think it needs to be translated culturally. Uh, with that said, uh, it's a very personal thing to do. It's a very humbling thing. It's humbling not only for the person doing it, it's humbling, humbling for the person receiving it. I read there are more sweat glands in the feet than any other part of the body. I'm sure that's true. I have four children. It's amazing how different they are. It's amazing how different their feet are. It's amazing how one of my children, their feet smells worse than any of the other three. And I'm not going to tell you who. In this day, in this culture, um, there were no sidewalks uh, and there were cattle, sheep, goats, and all kind of other animals on the same road you're on a lot of times. They wore open sandals and uh, sometimes no shoes at all. So to wash somebody's feet in this culture, it takes on an extra bit of humility. So I want to talk about three things from this story. One is foot washing. Translating it into our culture, I thought in my study of uh, several years ago, our youth pastor at the time was motivated from this passage that we're in tonight, and he was motivated, and he got an idea to do a car wash. Uh, but it wasn't a car wash to raise money for the youth. As a matter of fact, they wouldn't take money from people uh, because they told them, we're just doing this in the name of Jesus, and they told him because he washed people's feet. And feet in this culture uh, were the main means of transportation. Yeah, there were donkeys and yeah, some horses, but most people just walked wherever they went. It was the main means of transportation. And so our youth pastor got the idea from this passage, we'll do a car wash, but not to raise money. We'll do a car wash because the main means of transportation in our culture is a car. And so one way you can wash somebody's feet culturally in our culture is to wash their car. But that's not the only thing you can do. My friend, Pastor Peter Lord, he's an older saint now. He's headed for heaven, but I love the guy. And while he was pastoring, uh, in his heyday pastoring, when the church was uh, growing and he was a well-known uh, public speaker, uh, pastor, and I'll never forget when I heard him tell about what the Lord laid on his heart, and it was motivated also by this story of Jesus washing feet. He thought, what can I do uh, for people in the church that would be, you know, something that a servant would do that the normal person just wouldn't do? And what he did, he said he felt led of the Lord. He went out and got one of those roto-rooter kind of things that if your toilet gets backed up, uh, you go in and unclog somebody's toilet. And so he became known as the pastor that if your toilet was backed up, he would come to your house and at no charge, he would help unclog the toilet. And he tells about some of the things that he got into through that that were pretty messy and pretty stinky. Roto-Rooter. Are there some husbands watching? I'm sure there are. Husbands, maybe with uh, young ones, maybe still in diapers. Is your wife sitting there? 
because she's going to take notes on this one. Guess what? One of the ways you can wash your wife's feet, change the diaper, wash the dishes. I would say do the laundry, but don't do that unless you know how to do it because that could backfire. But if you know how to do the laundry and it may not be what you normally do, then one of the ways you can wash your wife's feet, your family's feet, culturally, do the laundry, mow the lawn, take out the trash, mop the floor. Years ago, we were hosting a Valentine's banquet, and I had a guest speaker in, and he was a well-known pastor in the Calvary movement, uh, large church, and I was amazed that he would come and speak, and he was a very good speaker, and I was so looking forward to hearing him, and he did a great job that night, but I was so humbled before he spoke. He's sitting at our table, uh, the host table, and during the evening as we had gone out to this catered kind of a thing, you know, uh, Orange Blossom Caterers, we actually went there, you know, and they they set things up for us, and we went there to have our, our Valentine's banquet. And this pastor, during the meal, without even saying anything to me, uh, gets up from our table, goes and grabs a pitcher of water from the server's table and goes around and begins refilling everybody's water. And I'm like, I should have done it first. (laughs) He beat me to it. I wasn't even thinking about doing that. We had servants there doing that. We were paying them to do that. And here our guest speaker gets up and goes around and serves people. And I've never forgotten that. There are lots of different ways you can wash somebody's feet. That's the practical significance of the story. But before we go to my second point, and we're still on the foot washing, what is the spiritual significance? Jesus said to Peter, you won't understand now, but later you'll understand. And Peter's initial thing is, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Well, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Well, they're not just my feet, my hands, my head. Give me a whole bath. And Jesus says, no, you've already had a bath. What does he mean by that? You've already put your faith in me and you've been washed by the sacrifice that I'm going to make on the cross. Old Testament saints before the cross, all those pre-cross saints who believed in the coming Messiah are washed by faith. They're credited righteousness by faith. These disciples are credited righteousness by faith. And so that's what Jesus means when he says, when he says, Peter, somebody already had a bath. They don't need a bath again. You've already had a bath. You can put your faith in me. You're righteous by faith. But practically speaking, as you walk in the world, you get some dirt. And what we need to do regularly is let Jesus wash our feet. That leads us into the second point. The first is the foot washing. Translate it culturally. Understand the spiritual significance also. Don't forget that. And I only mention it, but Jesus wants to wash our feet. We're righteous by faith in him, but practically speaking, as I walk in life, as I go through life, there are things that I need a fresh, fresh washing. 
It's like, you know, some, sometimes your kids come in, you go, what, wash, wipe your feet, you know. You've been out in the backyard, and they come traipsing in. they get got all these marks everywhere and dirt, you know, and you go, what, you need to wash your feet first or clean your shoes first. It just happens. You walk in the world, and you get dirty. The feet he washed. I'm going to go to several different scriptures. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child, had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children. He's talking about humility. You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Mark's gospel, chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. <laughs> I love this. They came to Capernaum, and uh, when he was in the house, Jesus asked them, the disciples, what were you arguing about on the road? And they didn't think he heard them. They kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. <laughs> Are they arguing about who's the most humble? Mark chapter 10, verse 32. They were on the way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. The disciples were astonished uh, while those who followed were afraid. And again, he took the 12 aside, told them what was going to happen to him. We're going to Jerusalem. Uh, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests, teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he'll rise. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they asked, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Well, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus said. Verse 37, they replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptized I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those to whom, for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten, the other ten disciples, heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Why? Because they're trying to get the best place. The top two spots next to Jesus. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You, you, you think they get it, but you go to Luke's gospel, chapter 9, and here you find again, verse 46, after again, he 
talks about what's going to happen to him. Verse 46, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. And again, he brings a child and has him stand before them. Luke 22, Luke 22 is Luke's record of this final Passover meal. And it's noteworthy to look here in Luke's account. If you go down Luke 22 to verse 19, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves, which of them it might be who would do this. And don't miss verse 24. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. At the final Passover meal, and it appears even after he had washed their feet, they're arguing over who's the greatest. (laughs) Among these disciples, I I wonder whose feet stank the worst. I believe I know who had the biggest feet. I think Peter had the biggest feet. Peter, I put in my notes, probably has about a size 13 triple E. We have a guy on our staff, Cameron. He wears a size, true story, 15 shoe. Sometimes the only time Peter opened his mouth was to change feet. Jesus washes these guys' feet. And not only, not only really did some of them smell worse than others, he knew everything about them. So there was the the physical stench, but there was also the spiritual reality of how, how sinful they were and how imperfect they still were and how they just didn't get it up to this point. One more, and then we'll move on. John's Gospel, chapter 20, even after the resurrection. I think it was John Corson years ago that I first heard teach on this particular passage, and I'd never, never seen what he pointed out. But in John chapter 20, if you go to verse 2, resurrection Sunday, uh, Mary Magdalene comes running back, tells Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Uh, So verse 3, Peter and the other disciple, we know it's John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. I circled it. Why is that important? If you know anything about the scriptures and Peter and John, they had a little bit of a contention, competition with one another. And he reached the tomb first. He got there first. He bent over, looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He tells us twice in these few verses, he outran Peter to the tomb. 
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today to study the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. These books are the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. He came to save each person from sin. He offered himself as a sacrifice, taking the punishment your sins deserve. Today, you can have a new life because of Jesus. Are you ready to make that decision and give him your sins and accept his grace? If so, we're so happy for you, and we'd love to talk to you more about it. Please let us know by emailing us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. We also want to encourage you to find a church home. Right now, we know that that's difficult, but we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship for our online services. At ccfstpete.church, we live stream every Saturday at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 9 and 11, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Join Pastor Danny to learn more from the Bible and to spend time with us worshiping our Savior. You can also explore more teachings from this series and others at our website. One more time, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Know that we're praying for you. And we hope you'll join us again next time to continue studying the Gospels right here on The Living Word.